Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. I just think it's the enticement. It's not rocket science. It can be done. I truly believe it can. It's wanton destruction. It's also illegal. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. the number to call, the text to WhatsApp 083-396-9696, the email opinion at 96fm.ie. That modern pentathlon is got to be the maddest thing. It really has got to be the maddest thing you've ever seen. It's, it's based on... Thanks, Virgil, I got that sorted. It's based on... In the old days, a soldier had to be able to escape from a war zone and use their skills like fencing and shooting and running and swimming to get out of it. And we've got an Irish pentathlete in fourth place at the moment in that event in Tokyo. So we'll keep an eye if there's any more comes in on that. Uh, Nadine Coyle is her name and she's uh, she's doing really well. She's in fourth modern pentathlon. It's a great event and what they've done in Tokyo is fascinating this year. This used to be done over a number of days in a number of different locations. What they've done in Tokyo is they've built a stadium for it. Uh, now, sadly, there's nobody in the stadium because of COVID regulations and all of that. But it's there and, and it's, it looks absolutely fabulous on, on the television. So we'll, we'll watch your today news on Adil Coyle during the morning. Um, we'll bring it to you. 1850-715-996. There's nothing like a good busker, lads. Nothing. Um, it's great if you're sitting having a drink or sitting having your lunch or out for the evening or out for the, out for the day. And someone is busking and it's good. And some of the great singers and artists of the world have been discovered busking, particularly... Grafton Street. We know our own Ali Sherlock, uh, international success, and it all began busking. But a bad busker, <laughs> or a busker who won't shut up, or a busker who's out there at two o'clock in the morning when they really should be gone home to bed, like the rest of us, uh, they're a bit of a pain in the ass. And do they need to be regulated? Do we need rules that say you can't just rock up to a corner, take out your guitar, and start caterwauling? wherever you want and whenever you want. Is it time to regulate the buskers in the city? Councillor Ken O'Flynn, not only are you saying it is, but you have been saying it is for a very long time. Good morning. Good morning, PJ, and thanks for the call. Um, Yes, I have been saying it for quite a long time, and um, 
as you know, I wrote bylaws which were very similar to what was introduced in London and New York and, and, and Manchester. Um, at the time, there was an agreement from the previous city council that we would wait to see how the guidelines worked in Dublin. Uh, as you know uh, from our previous conversations, I never agreed that we should ever wait for any other city. We should be doing our own thing. But anyway, look, um, councillors voted down the bylaws, but I think it's time to re-examine now what's happening in the city um, because the complaints haven't gone away, uh, PJ. And as you said, look, I'm not anti-busking. I love busking. I love live music. I, I'm a big live music follower and I love listening to very talented people on the street. And I think we're very fortunate in Cork that we have some great talent, especially those that come out from school of music and they're busking and they're making a couple of bobs themselves. Yeah. And I think, that's, I think that's great. And there's some tremendous talent in the city. But equally, for, for every good person and for every wonderful singer or entertainer, there is somebody that is um, maybe not the best. And maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe you're thinking about You're being kind, career. Ken. <laughs> be very kind. Uncharacteristically so for you, but anyway. <laughs> it's August, it's August. I'm changing. Go on. <laughs> the weather. But look, PJ, I think it is um, a situation that... That you know, it's about time that we did have guidelines. And you know, I have a situation there where I have people contacting me. They're now living in the city centre. There's people who live on Winthrop Street. There's people that live in Oliver Plunkett Street up over the uh, shops, um, that have made contact with me on a regular basis, saying you know they've had to move out of the city centre because they couldn't put up with people outside their doors at two o'clock in the morning, at eleven o'clock at night, uh, busking. And look, we all look, we all enjoy the entertainment, but it has to be regulated. There has to be some sort of guidelines mm. to allow people to enjoy the city, to allow live music to be played in the city, but also to be respectful of other people. Do you know what confuses me at the moment, Ken, uh, a little bit, and I don't know if it's come up in City Hall, whether busking is even allowed at the moment. We know what's going on, but, but is it well, even allowed uh, under the current circumstances? Well, well, there you go. Well, look, uh, you know, over the last week and watching the news and listening to what's going on in the Marion Hotel and things like that. Yeah, you, it you, was what, a mischievous what, question for that exact uh, reason. We, we, have, we have serious questions about public gatherings. Um, and there has been things on Facebook and different social media where we've seen people gathering late at night and the guy is, you know, he's playing music and people are dancing and there's a couple of pints involved and people are driving and they're, and they're jumping on people's backs and they're all having great fun. But they're certainly not staying in their, their bubble of six or, or whatever, you know. Um, so, you know, you do have that sort of thing as well. So you have to worry about that. But I suppose, PJ, what I'm worried about is the guy that uh, strolls up uh, at, at 11 o'clock at night or when the pubs close now at the moment at 11 o'clock or when, you know, at the usual time at 2 o'clock. Uh, and is outside people's apartments. We have to stop that, and we have to be conscious that there are people living upstairs. The guy that parks himself in one position and knows three or four songs, and he's outside my pharmacy's door or my my tobacco shop's door or whatever, uh, and he's singing three songs for the day, and he's driving your staff demented. Uh, and that has that has to be tackled. Isn't it um, easy, or shouldn't be easy, under bylaws to say, well, you can busk there, but you can't busk there. Correct, and that's what they're doing in the UK all the time, you know. And the amplification system, like there are people coming in with over 15, 20, 30, 40 uh, amps now into the city. And you see, if you're a busker two, two or three streets down, you're hearing the guy above you, and it's very hard for this guy to compete with that. Um, you have distortion but you have that sound carrying as well. And we have to be respectful of other people. If we're going to be fair to buskers, we have to allow that the best spots in town or in the city, um, that nobody is entitled to own that spot, that they can move them around. 
uh, and I think that makes for a better uh, social mm. dynamic in the city as well. Would we get to um, go, go so far, Ken, ever as to um, license particular buskers to play in the city? Well, I, I, I know in certain cities in the UK, in Leeds, they have a licensing fee, which is 15 euros for the year. And, you know, you sign up to a set of guidelines and you respect that. But it also gives the police the power to move on buskers and say, look, are you licensed? Uh, do you know this is a busking area or this is not a busking area? Um, currently, uh, the uh, guard of Shaghana here have no uh, authority to move on anybody from busking. So that's the difficulty that's, that, that's there. But if there was a set of guidelines and if there was a set of sign-ups to, to, to this and accept it and this is the rules of the city and this is a zone where you can busk from this amount of hours to that amount of hours and this is a, a no-busking zone at night, um, you know, then you would we'd have a city that worked very well and that there's a regulation, a light-handed regulation that guards can use as a, as a guidance for people as well. And it yeah. doesn't stop fellas making a couple of bob. Like a lot of these buskers are still in college and they're going out and uh, a couple of cousins of mine went out busking as well and then they, they make good money while they're in college, you know. And, and look, a busy choices. Friday or a busy Saturday night, a fellow with a decent handful of tunes who can actually yeah. play them well will turn a few bucks and no, and, and, and the blessings of God in them. And look, and the great thing, and you're right, PJ. Like, there's a lovely thing when you're when you're when you're sitting down, especially with the outdoor dining at the moment. When you're able, when when it's not raining, when you're able to sit outside and listen to a guy playing a guitar or listen to a, somebody on a saxophone or a good singer, you know, there, there's some there's it's lovely and it really enhances the public realm. And, and I think that's what needs to be encouraged. But certainly, what's going on at the moment with some some people that are that are. Um, that are hogging space, that are using, that are standing outside people's apartments. You know, and I've had people that have rang me and they said, look, I went down to the busker. I told them what the situation is, that I'm living upstairs, that I have to be in work at seven o'clock in the morning because I work for one of these international companies and I'm, I'm dealing with a, a market that opens very early in the morning and, you know, have been told where, where, to, where to go and to some so on. You're hoping, of course, Ken, that more people would live in the city. Uh, That's that's a hope of yours. So, effectively, you would have to regulate it then because if you have a load of uh, residential space. Yeah, if you look at our new city development plan and the encouragement of 3,000 units down on the Docklands, and if you look at the plans that are coming from the 2040 plan from government about living up over the shops, the tax exemptions that are already there to encourage people to put units up over the shops, uh, that's you know uh, to make a vibrant city and to keep a city moving, you have to have people living in the city. The UK and Ireland actually have been very bad at that in the last forty years. So you're going to bring forward your regulations to council again? I'm I'm coming back with um, with guidelines, and I'm hoping that I get support on it this time. It's a new as it's a relatively new council with a lot of new members as well, uh, and I think if we can get people to sign up to a charter and the guidelines. It might be easier than set of bylaws, but it will also give a facility for the Garda Shea to move people on to say, look, you know, just move down the road here and, you know, you can still make a couple of bob. Mm. And and I think that's probably the way to do it, you know. Mm. And uh, there was well, one bizarre element. Like, you said you, you say that, um, or you did say before, that the guy should have 
a specific number of tunes, for example. I think, well, I think. What, what I do think we do? Do we, do we hold all, uh, Do we hold auditions in the Millennium Hall or what? <laughs> Peter, we put you in charge. Would you be like X Factor? <laughs> but, uh, no, but seriously. No, like, no, but seriously. <laughs> I, I think I think it's important that somebody comes out there that they're not busking with two or three songs. There's one particular chap in town, and I swear to God, if I hear him on the street, I, I'll, I'll run the other direction because I, it's the one song all the time I hear. Out of I think I know who you're talking about. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? He should be bought up for a crime for, for what he does to music. But anyway, that's another conversation. Mm, I know. But, yeah. I but wonder what I wonder what I, people I, I would think. I wonder what listeners would 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 think about it. I, I really I defined pictures. A lot of people for, that are listening to you today, PJ, are listening to the show today. A lot of them that are walking in shops that are really cheesed off with somebody standing outside their door for four or five hours playing the same couple of tunes. Yeah. And it's it gets very look. It's like having the same CD inside in the car or the same tape deck inside in the car from uh, that was stuck in the car for the last ten years. You know, you you know, you you learn to hate the music and you learn to hate the songs, and it gets very irritating after a while. All right, okay. you know, so okay. it's about having a bit of respect for people and taking notice of who's around you, who's living above you, and being respectful of those people. All right, Ken. Thanks for that. You might start a conversation with our listeners. That's uh, Councillor Ken O'Flynn wants regulations about to do with busking. So, there would be parts of the city where you can't busk. Busking free zones. You'd have a sign on the wall. I've seen them in other parts of the world. Busking not allowed after 8 o'clock or busking not allowed at all in certain places. <laughs> That's that, that seems okay. And busking not allowed late into the night or whatever. The idea that you'd have to sort of be approved as a city centre busker. I, do, I think they do that for Grafton Street. I think only in, in Dublin, I think only a number of people are approved to busk on Grafton Street. Now, if you go down Grafton Street on a summer's day, you'll see busking the like which you won't see in the world. So it works for them. But would we, would we want to regulate our buskers? Paula says, remember about busking, if that's what it is, what are they actually doing now? They have a huge stage style set up with microphones and speakers and loop pedals. What happened to the guitar and the voice? Gosh, that very not very nice of him to be saying someone isn't very good. Some people aren't very good. That's just the reality of it. There's a guy actually. I haven't heard him in a while. I I I think it was pre-COVID I heard him last, but I think he's still around. Uh, he's a coloured chap. He's um he comes, I think, from the west of Ireland. But he comes down into the... And he sings either unaccompanied or with a very low backing track. He's got the most incredible voice. But he sings Irish ballads. Uh, I don't know. I went up talking to him one day. And I, he told me that he, he comes originally from, from the west of Ireland. But he's brilliant. And then you've got other people, Cather Walling, and really, they, they, they sound like a... Uh, a dog midway through being um, being neutered. So do we need standards? Do we need standards for our buskers? Our cities, our city love it is made for good busking. It's made for good busking and it's great to see a good busker. But God, it's awful to see a bad one. 1850-715-996. Speaking of events happening as we were, and I was being mischievous with Ken, I'm always mischievous with Ken. On the Healy Rays, they're the latest event uh, scandal, you might call it this morning. Pictures on the front of the papers of a, 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 a party, 
a wedding party in the Healy Ray pub in um, in Kerry, down there in Kilgarvan, probably the most famous pub in all of Kerry. I've been in there many times. It's a pub I, I like. But there was the picture, uh, it's on the Daily Mail in particular today, of Danny Healy Ray. It appears to be pulling a pint behind the bar and there's a huge crowd in the bar. And the story is that that picture was taken before any indoor celebrations of any kind. We're not sure of the date that the photo was taken. That's the that's the query. But the 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 the, the, the context of the story is that the picture was taken before the regulations came in. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. All the stars on one show. Yo, what's up? It's your boy KSI. Yo, what's good, Universe? It's 24K Golden. I'm Miley Cyrus. Hi, we're picture this. This is Medusa. The Hit Mix with Shane Bucks. Shane Bucks. On your radio, weeknights from 8. With New Market Motors Volkswagen. Low rate finance and purchase contributions across the Volkswagen van range. Newmarketvolkswagen.ie. Corks 96 FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. Thank you, Mags, who was quick off the mark, as Mags often is, to remind me that the uh, Irish pentathlete is Natalie Coyle, not Nadine Coyle. Yeah, thank you. Those of us, Mags, who are scarred by the memory of Girls Aloud, <laughs> you know... It's easy to get confused. Natalie Coyle, of course, is our modern pentathlete in the Olympics in Tokyo. 1850-715-996. There's a gadget now that buskers can buy that attaches to their mobile phone. Now, anyone can buy this, but they, if so, you don't even throw a coin in the, in the bucket anymore. You tap your card. And you can donate to the busker that way. I've seen I've seen someone do that. Not here. I've seen that in Dublin. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. He's back. He's back. <laughs> we were all talking about Wally the Walrus earlier in the summer. He, he turned up. Remember, he turned up originally in Valencia. That was March. And then he disappeared and he was spotted off Wales and down around the Cornwall Way. Uh, there was pictures taken of this amazing creature near France, south of France. And now he's back up. He was spotted in Dungarvan. We were assuming it's the same walrus because there aren't too many of them around. <laughs> but he, this brilliant footage of him lying in a rib in a boat. <laughs> He actually climbed into this boat and decided to go for a snooze inside in the boat. It's a brilliant photograph. There's also video footage of him uh, and taken by John Power. John, good morning. Good morning. Uh, he's a magnificent creature. I wouldn't have to get too close to those tusks, but he's a magnificent creature. And you got the video and the footage of him climbing into this, this, this rib. What happened? 
I did indeed. Uh, maybe just a couple of facts about um, walrus. Their average length is about two to three and a half metres. Mm. The weight is about 800, 1,200 kg. Now, they are a, a North Atlantic species, well, well north, and would normally be seen in um, perhaps uh, Greenland, Canada, yeah. uh, north of Norway, and um, in, in, in parts of Russia. And they're well, well outside their range here, even though there have been perhaps up to, up to, um, up to 25 appearances of them over the years in Ireland. Yeah. Um, what I'm calling this is the, the, the Wally Odyssey. As you said there, he was first sighted on the 14th of the 3rd last on Valencia Island by some young girl. Six days later, he was on Pembrokeshire coast in Wales and stayed there for several months. Wally then headed for the southwest coast of France, where he was slightly injured in a collision with a boat, uh, but he recovered, obviously. There was also a reported sighting off Bilbao in Spain. Uh, next, he appeared in the Scilly Islands, where he stayed for some weeks, uh, but um, swamped a few boats on his time there, same as, Lippel in, uh, same as what he did in um, uh, Ardmore in the last few days. Um, he then headed um, towards Ireland, obviously, and he was reported last Monday between Helvick Head and Dungarvan. Mm. Uh, I was lucky to get some telescope views from Monday, but much better followed. On Tuesday, he arrived in Ardmore where he commandeered a rib and gave excellent and prolonged views. He just stood there the whole day to the amazement of a lot of people who got to see him. <laughs> he, was, he was still in Ardmore on Wednesday and was last spotted there on, on, uh, at midday of that day and hasn't been seen since. Yeah. Uh, perhaps he's on his way back. I wouldn't like to be the owner uh, of a rib trying to get him out of it until he's ready. Well, particularly given that this was supposedly a brand new rib and quite expensive. And this guy, as you mentioned, has very uh, pointed tusks. So he could have done damage, but I think not, you know. Yeah. Uh, eventually, eventually the rib was taken out, which I think was probably a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he's a magnificent-looking creature, and he's got to be some swimmer covering, coming up, covering all this distance. Well, the suggestion is that while you're rigid is in Svalbard, which is a group of islands well, well north of Norway. Yeah. So, if so, he was over 3,000 kilometres from home when he arrived in County Waterford. And if he did make it to Bilbao in Spain, he was close to 4,000 kilometres from Svalbard. Yeah. And he'd be, particularly around Bilbao, he'd be in water that is way too warm for him. Well, absolutely, because, I mean, he's adapted totally for um, living in very cold uh, climates. And as a result, he has a very heavy um, uh, blubbery skin to, to, to protect him from the cold. So presumably he'd have been overheating here quite a bit, you know. Yeah. Uh, when he was in Ardmore, he did come off the boat on several occasions. And it looked like all he did was swam around for a few minutes and got back up again and went to sleep. <laughs> he's on his holidays. <laughs> well, some scientists are suggesting that Wally took the south in the iceberg. All I can say, if he was, maybe they should have called him Van Winkle because he didn't yeah. sleep a long, long time, you know. Yeah, he's a magni- but, magnificent creature. And I, one, one assumes that he's safe and not injured and able to look after himself and all that. Well, he seems to be because he's been here for quite some time, you know. My, my kind of romantic, if someone's uh, tongue-in-cheek suggestion, is that Wally, like young people here in Ireland, is on a gap here travelling far and wide in his youth. Perhaps more likely, Wally should have been travelling north with Felix Little on the sort of phenomenon known as reverse migration. Yeah. In See, other words... He's not, inclined, uh, he's not, he's not going to get much by way of holiday romance, though, John, is he, down well, around? Is, well, you're absolutely right. Wally, like, like youngsters, will eventually get homesick. 
He will want to meet another walrus with which to meet. Yeah. He will not meet another walrus around here, around <laughs> our coast. <laughs> it's speculating that he's heading to the far north to climb its most suitable to his coat of blood and hopefully he'd meet with others of, of his own kind. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I, I'm, I'm guessing that he might turn up in Valencia again and then head north right. and hopefully back up to um, up to Swalgard. Well, well, your photos and I've, I picked them up on Twitter this morning, and you—they're brilliant, great photography, and just you cannot but smile to see this enormous creature inside, sunning himself. <laughs> just brilliant. They're brilliant, well, John. Well, well, well absolutely, and it was uh, a number of people really enjoyed seeing him, and they were absolutely amazed, and it was. A really good um, encounter with nature, you know. Yeah, it's that fabulous, and and well done on the photos and the videos. That's John A. Power. You'll find John on Twitter with brilliant, brilliant, absolutely magnificent pictures of Wally. Someone was saying, "Is that an interview he gave to Waterford local radio?" No, it's not. <laughs> 1850-715-996. Remember, Dr. Paula Sullivan was with me on the opinion line on Tuesday talking about the dreadful state of affairs at Bantry Hospital. Uh, he wants us to say, uh, to make people aware, there is a protest march Sunday, this Sunday the 8th, at 1 o'clock in the square in Bantry against the situation, against the closure of the medical admissions unit in Bantry. It would be great if this could be read out on the show uh, for information to make people aware and happy to do that. Uh, towards the end of the show Tuesday, a statement came out in relation to Bantry General in which it said that there would be some new consultants appointed in September or take up their new posts in September. But as Paul, Dr. Paul and others were saying, well, what are we supposed to do until then? What are we supposed to do until then? Middle of the holiday season in West Cork and people staycationing in West Cork and there's no hospital for them to go to. If someone comes into Paul's surgery and they need a doctor, yes, he'll see them as a GP, but if they need further attention like a hospital, he's got to send them an hour and a half up the road to Cork when there's a perfectly well-equipped hospital across the road. 1850-715-996, that protest Sunday at 1 o'clock in the square in Bantry. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96FM. The 25th Annual Cope Foundation Golf Classic Fundraiser takes place on the 19th and 20th of August at Monkstown Golf Club. With a list of incredible prizes to be won, teams of four are invited to book a place for this year's event. More information can be found at cope-foundation forward slash golf classic. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email corkdiary at 96fm.ie. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96FM. Coming up in a little while, if you take a photo on your iPhone, are you okay with the idea that Apple might automatically scan that uh, for evidence of child abuse? That's coming uh, in in the world of technology. We we, we may well uh, mention that. We will be talking about that a little bit later on. You're, you're right. It's it's a big story internationally. 
that Apple are introducing software that will scan photographs and automatically put them against a register of, shall we say, dodgy photographs. And then if you happen to match that register, then Apple, well, they can take action. That's coming. 1850-715-996. I want to talk to Melissa Carton, who's a journalist for Her.ie. I think you might have been on the show before, Melissa. But you've you've opened up and, and told the story of, of your battle with body, body dysmorphia. Good morning. Good morning. What is body dysmorphia, Melissa? Um, body dysmorphic disorder is a mental health condition where you see a, an exaggerated version of your body, and it could be your whole body or it could be a certain aspect of your body. You might see, like, your nose as being huge or, you know, your legs as being huge or you, you're just seeing a different version from yourself than is actually reality and it sends a lot of people into a spiral of eating disorders and other kind of mental health conditions. So when did you first notice? Well I didn't re- realise I had it until I was in college and was diagnosed but all throughout my teens I my my teen years were basically just ruined with it because I couldn't enjoy myself. Every moment I was self-conscious of what I looked like. I thought I looked terrible. I didn't like walking past mirrors. I didn't like getting into group photos. I just saw an altered version of myself 24-7. How do you mean when you say you saw an altered version? I... It was strange. It, it wasn't until I kind of looked back at photographs of myself as a teenager in, when I was in my 20s that I realized what I actually looked like because I was seeing someone who was just hideous. I hated everything about myself. I didn't like my nose, my hair, my legs, anything about myself. I just picked myself apart completely. Yeah. You were only 12. You're writing a piece where you say you're playing with your baby cousin. And thinking to yourself, and you're 12, thinking that yourself, she shouldn't have to look at me. Yeah, and I can remember that vividly. And I remember that feeling, and I felt like that most of the time that, you know, even my family shouldn't have to look at me because I felt so ugly. At what point, I'm assuming it became a burden, an everyday burden. So... At what point did you get diagnosed and how did it come about that you came to be diagnosed? Well, it affected my mental health in a huge way. And when I was 19, I ended up seeking out counselling and seeking out medical help for feeling depressed. And it was during that they asked me, you know, describe what, you know, the last few years have been like. And when I went into detail with them... they said that look that sounds exactly like body dysmorphia and I hadn't realized I had that because I thought oh if you have that then you automatically probably have an eating disorder or it's people who think that they're overweight when they're not whereas I was the opposite I thought I was too thin I thought I had a boy body and then I was like skeletal looking um but it really changed my idea of what body image issues are because I just thought it was the other way people who wanted to lose weight whereas I was the other end of it. Right. So if you, and 
presumably at this stage you completely avoided uh, mirrors, shall we say. So, so when you would look or you know found yourself find yourself looking at your own res- um, reflection, Melissa, what did you see? You were a nineteen-year-old girl. What did you see? By the time I was nineteen, I was coming out the other end of it. But yeah, it's hard to even describe the scene because it, it, it was just not reality. I wish all of my features. I just felt, you know, these aren't what attractive people look like. You know, I don't like my eyes. I don't like my nose. I, I would just pick my entire face and body apart. Wow. And did you have friends that you could talk to it about to about it? And did they try to reassure you? No, 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 Melissa, you're you're beautiful. You're lovely. Would that ever did that work at all? If anyone tried that, I like my friends were brilliant. I like was really lucky to have friends that were very supportive. But I think a lot of people just thought it's just regular teenage girl stuff because. A lot of us would have moments where we would go, oh, you know, I don't like the look of myself in these jeans or I don't like, you know, the way I'm looking today. And I don't think people realised how serious it was. And, you know, I think if my family had realised how serious it was, they would have sent me to get help when I was a teenager. Yeah. But, you know, it wasn't until I was 18 and could get help for myself that I even realised what I had. So, so what's what's the treatment like then? Once you realise that this is what's up, what's the treatment like? Um, I went through years of going through therapy to, you know, build up my self esteem and you know get my mental health in a much better place. Then the treatment might be different for different people because it can cause other mental health issues. So some people might need to take medication. But for me, um, I ended up not going down the medication route. It was Mm. just therapy. And did you ever get to the bottom of of why this happened to you? Uh, A lot. Well, I had been bullied a lot when I was younger, and I think that might have been a trigger for it um, because I, you know, was very slim and you know I didn't sort of develop the same time as a lot of the other girls because I went to an all-girls school um so I was quite flat-chested and I had no hips and you know people wouldn't make comments on that right that's maybe where the the trigger was I see I noticed that at Billie Eilish uh, is very open about her own struggles with this it's important isn't it that when people we know so well uh, from popular culture, come out and talk. It encourages others to talk. Yeah, it absolutely does. And I remember when she opened up about it, I thought, oh my God, you know, I know exactly what that feels like. And I can only imagine what it's like to be someone who's in the public eye and has that kind of disorder because you're constantly getting articles written about you. You know, the paparazzi are constantly taking photos and they they don't take nice ones. They only want to take the bad ones. So, you know, it's got to be even harder. Yeah. How are you these days? Good. Um, is it a distant memory, yeah. or do you still remember those days? Do you still have to? Do you still have to mind yourself, as it were, that you won't slip back into those thoughts? I do. Um, I, you know, whenever I kind of feel that way, I kind of have to tear myself away, especially like with things like social media and stuff. Comparing yourself to other people, you, you know, I, I still have to, 
you know, take care of myself, but it is, it's, it's night and day compared to how I was feeling back then. But as I wrote in the article, like looking at photos from back then, it just brings it all back. And yeah. I really don't like looking at photos from back then. Yeah. Yeah. Because you, you, you remember the way you used to feel. Melissa, thank you. For, for speaking to us and, and you know it's easy to write it well I suppose it's not easy to write it down but it's much easier to write it down than it is to speak about it on, on public radio so so thank you for doing that no problem thanks a lot that's Melissa Carton a journalist on her.ie uh, it's a tough one to talk about you can write it down and you can publish it like that but coming up and speaking about it on radio can't be too easy great for her to do that you can contact Bodywise if you need help uh, that's B-O-D-Y-W-H-Y-S. They've got a number, 01-210-7906, 01-210-7906. You could email alex at bodywise.ie, alex at bodywise.ie, or just call the Samaritans at 116123 if you're looking for somebody to talk to, or talk to your GP, or talk to a friend. If you recognise the feelings that Melissa was talking about that she had when she was younger. Reach out. The help is there. Frank on WhatsApp says that Wally sounds a bit like Eamon Ryan. (laughs) What, does he? (laughs) Stop it, Frank. This isn't the real Eamon Ryan, by the way, just in case you're wondering. But Frank's got a point. (laughs) <laughs> oh, you're a bad man. 1850-715-996. Now, Instagram is introducing new safety settings for younger users. We've said repeatedly, you know, we would love if our kids waited until they were old enough to know better before going on places like Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and TikTok and all those things. But they don't. So... We have to look at it from the other point of view. How do we make it, excuse me, safe for them? And so Instagram is bringing in new safety settings that when kids are under 16, their accounts will be automatically private and adults won't be able to interact with them. And also the amount of advertising they see will be restricted. Instagram's been under pressure lately to do something about this uh, from various child safety advocates and parents groups around the world. The one fault I can see with this is that, well, let's call a spade a spade. Kids lie about their age. Avril Ronan is the chair of the board of the Cyber Safe Kids. Avril, good morning. Good morning, Peter. Am I right or wrong? Right. You're right, absolutely. Um, and I guess the, the one good thing is that Instagram are um, changing their safety settings. So when you do download Instagram and you do decide that your child is ready for Instagram and you discuss it and agree on rules and whatever, one of the first things when you download the app is that you have to give your date of birth. And I would recommend to parents out there who are deciding that their child can have Instagram, they have to... Um, make sure that they enter the correct date of birth because there are protective things going around that account then like 
I can't follow your child, for example, if it's on private. Between 13 and 16, Instagram will automatically default your child's account to private. Mm. So nobody can search and or they may they might find the account, but they can't see any of the activity on it. Mm. So, for example, I followed Patrick Dempsey the other day. He was flaunting Aaron Island woolen jumpers, <laughs> um, and I was able to follow him on Instagram, no problem. But if I found a child, if I came across someone I really wanted to follow and their account is private, and you and me could put our accounts on private and nobody can follow us either in our settings, it just means you can't be followed and you have to request, you send a follow request and the request goes to the person saying, Avril Ronan would like to follow you. Mm. And you decide then, because you're on private, whether you know them, whether you want them to follow you or not. Um, so that's a good thing, but as you say, young people lie about their age. And, you know, I was thinking, PJ, there, pre-COVID, I was in a school uh, brainstorming with young teens about um, about privacy, actually. And uh, I just asked them, you know, do young people care about privacy? And they said no. And wow. I, Yeah, but wait for it. I, I didn't feel it was a fair question, right? Because I don't think they understood what I said. So I said... Um, okay, let's let's look at it differently. When you download an app, what's the first thing you have to give away before you're allowed to use the app? And they said, oh, your name, your date of birth, you know, and what do you have to accept in terms of conditions? Okay, so there's no such thing as free in this world, PJ. You know me, we know that very well. Mm. What you're giving away there is you still will always own the content of everything you do on that app. Everything you share, like, post, videos, photographs, you're the owner of it all all your comments, which in those terms and conditions, if you read them, they're the length of a roll of toilet roll. If you read them, it says that you are allowing the app to do whatever they want with your content whenever, wherever, forever. And when you say that to young people, which is what I did, and I then asked them who cares about their privacy, all hands went up. Ah. Yeah. So young people do care about their privacy. We all do. You when know, when it's explained to them what the implications of it are. But yeah. is that a way to get around the, the lying about the age, do you think, Avril? And we yeah. and I have spoken before about the responsibility of parents here to make yeah. sure that they they are the guardian of their children, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and to remind their children that the internet is a wonderful thing, but it's yeah. a bloody dangerous place. And it's our yeah. job as parents to be on top of this stuff. Yeah, and your device, the device you give to your child is a privilege. It's not an entitlement and it's earned and it's to be respected. Um, I think the horse is bolted for anyone using Instagram. But any parent out there considering or feeling that their child is now of age and you feel they're responsible and you feel that, you know, they can handle this and you want them to have it or they're asking you for years and you're finally giving in make sure they put in the correct date of birth because there are protections around them for those couple of years until they're a young adult. Okay. And also, uh, remind them of what is being shared. They're not just... And, and the rights that they're giving the apps and have a, have a chat with them. Just wanted yeah. to ask you, Avril, about this tech story doing the rounds yeah. in the last 24 hours that Apple is adjusting its systems so that if you upload a photo it'll scan it against a massive database of child sex photos and, and child porn photos. Good or bad thing or, 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 or a very good thing that is the thin end 
of a privacy wedge. It's huge. This is huge and divisive, isn't it? Because, well, I suppose even Trend Micro, uh, the company that I work for, um, we're an anti-spyware company, totally anti-spyware. But what we do, you know, is to protect our customers uh, and keep them secure with all their data. We scour the internet. We search for malicious code and malicious software. We have a team of forward threat researchers who scout the dark web and feed the intelligence that they gather on criminals underground to law enforcement, to Interpol, FBI, everywhere, all around the world, uh, because cybercrime is borderless. And we also feed that intelligence back into our software to protect our customers from real-time attacks. So um, the owners of our company are a married Taiwanese couple, Trim, who have been around for over 30 years, but they're passionate about the internet and keeping it a clean place. But we're not just a business. We want to keep the internet a cleaner place. And where I'm coming to, where I'm getting to with all of this is that Trend Micro were one of the first companies to help stamp out child sexual abuse material online. And um, uh, you can imagine the solution, the software that we have that we scan and track and seek out soft, uh, malicious code. Yeah. We also come across child sexual abuse material online. And we used to have our own employees trained to, to grade it and then to report it. Yeah. And yeah. it just became too severe. So what we do now, we have a strong relationship with the National Centre for Missing and Exploited Children. We give that over to the National Centre, to NCMEC, and we also share it with law enforcement. And the goal here globally is to clamp down on child sexual abuse yeah. material online. And certainly like reading the story, Avril, it, it looks great. Yeah. But the yeah. worry is, okay, what else will this technology allow governments to do? Is that just conspiracy theory or, or would you have concerns about um, people's privacy? Okay, I think, I think the, the likes of Apple, the likes of Facebook, the likes of Google, they have a responsibility to its users, a moral responsibility. You also have the law that needs to protect its users. But the problem and the challenge is that technology is advancing at such a pace, it's very difficult for the law to keep up with us to protect its users. But then you have governments and countries that may not have the best intentions of its people and they want to, you know, scrutinize, monitor, control. They want to clamp down on freedom of opinion, um, journalism, uh, of, of all that kind of thing. And that's where... It's the it same technology used. that they would... You, you would hope that yeah. Apple would be very firm yeah, with any absolutely. government that tried to do that. They absolutely. Did, did, and, law, and the law then as well coming in. But, like, look what we talked about there with Instagram. Anything you use on your phone. I mean, Google knows where you live and where you go and what you do from morning till night. Yeah. Some people take their privacy so seriously, they don't use Google. They use DuckDuckGo. Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen so that. So there are some people out there who don't care about privacy. They want those apps. They're great fun. They're great. They don't care. And other people really care about their privacy and they go to extreme lengths to keep out of the limelight, to keep off social media, to do everything they can. So it's down to the individual. And privacy is a double-edged sword. And it is uh, a personal thing. It's a national thing, it's an international thing, it's a legal thing that just can't keep up with the pace of technology changes. Mm. And then it comes down to those big companies, there's only a couple of them, and their responsibility to us as users of their software and their platform. For no reason other than time ever, I'll leave it there. This Apple story is going to uh, dominate the tech world as it develops and they, they put whatever 
restrictions they can or will on it. But thank you, Avril Ronan, Chair of the Board of Cyber Safe Kids, and of course, an expert with Trend Micro. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, that, that, is, that event in Bantry on Sunday, that protest uh, organised about the situation at Bantry Hospital. It's one o'clock in the square, Sunday. People were thinking, is it yesterday? Or sorry, is it tomorrow? <laughs> tomorrow? No, it's, it's actually Sunday uh, that that's on in Bantry. Quick reminder to you that our online station, the Back Garden Festival, is continuing. All of the music from all of the acts and the gigs and the superstars that you won't get to see in Cork for yet another year. It's all there on our uh, online station, streaming the biggest hits from your favourite festival stars. And it's with Harvey Norman and JBL, your specialist in sound this summer. You can listen on the app, it's there right now. Or indeed, you can go to 96fm. We're hearing about a worrying trend in childcare, and that being a shortage of childcare workers. A massive shortage of childcare workers and childcare providers. And of course, as so many people have been working from home for the last 17 or 18 months, and are now maybe looking forward to getting back to work, or some of them will be given no choice but to get back to the to the office by the off by work. I mean the office, of course. People get some people will have no choice but to go back to the office. Uh, they start have to start thinking about childcare again and Montessori again. And there's a shortage of workers, which means there'll be a shortage of providers. Elaine Dunn is chair of the Federation of Early Childhood Providers. How acute is the shortage, Elaine? Good morning to you. Hi, good morning. It is very serious at this point. We are now seeing um, services having to close down rooms um, in different counties across the country. Uh, We did a um, report on eight counties across the country last week uh, where it showed that in every single county, Galway, Loud, Clare, Dublin, Limerick, Tipperary, uh, a couple of others, and it showed a huge crisis in the sector regarding the staffing issue, um, which leads to, you know, there is going to be rooms closed down because we cannot open up our services and not have enough staff. We are regulated and we are in ratio at all times. So this is going to have a knock-on effect for parents, unfortunately. Um, it also, it, it's come down to chronic underfunding for many, many years. Mm. Um, we all, you know, a lot of the average service providers, we work on the floor as part of the ratio as well. So we can't even step in to give, do the relief work because we're there anyway. So that is causing a huge effect. Like we just can't get staff anywhere. But myself, I've advertised on jobs.ie, indeed, locally, uh, in, in different areas, putting the word of mouth up on Facebook as well. Nothing. Not one response. Actually, I shouldn't say that. I got one response from France. And and is it all COVID-related, or was this coming anyway? No, this this was coming anyway. Um, you know, down to low wages, and, and like we're not funded correctly. Therefore, we can't pay a professional wage. It's impossible to pay a wage if you're 
you have no sustainability within your services. And, you know, we've had the EWSS now for the last year nearly, and that has been a great help to a lot of providers and staff. You know, we've been able to, you know, keep everything going. But when that goes now, if that goes the end of September, then we're back to square one again. It'll be straight back into panic mode for, mm. for providers and for, you know, we're, we're literally scrambling for staff. There's no other words but yeah. that. And Elaine, people who use childcare yeah. services up and down the country, you know, it, it's not cheap, private private childcare services in particular. It's not cheap. So why are the wages so right. low if it's not so, that, if it's not cheap? Okay, so we are the lowest funded in the EU. You have to remember that. And, and I, I know when people say that, we're trying to keep everything as top quality as we possibly can. Like, we're not making huge profits. If people think we are, no, we're not. You know, and, and some, there, there may be larger services, maybe are, but I certainly, as an average provider, I'm not making huge profits. Um, it's a turnover of, yeah. of, you know, of your money. That's it. So, you know, there is, we, we do our best to pay a wage. But if you have huge rates, yeah. mortgages, rents, uh, ESP, electricity, food bills, it's, your money's gone. Your and, and the gone. lowest level of state funding in Europe, uh, compare your situation to somewhere that would be better funded. Like what would, what would a different government pay for in a different part of Europe? So if, if you look at the Norwegian model, they, they are hugely funded. Okay, and they have private and public childcare in there. Now, I don't have the stats on me, uh, PJ, to be honest, but... Um, they, they, the government have and the department have been looking at the Norwegian for many years. But we're totally underfunded. You can't keep going out and coming back in talking about a Norwegian model when we are totally underfunded. Mm. And we are chronically, it's not just totally underfunded, we are chronically underfunded now. It has gone to a point where we are on our knees. Yeah. And, you know, the budget is coming up and we're hoping that there's going to be something given to us through the budget, you know, this year. And but, I remember someone in the business here in Cork Lane saying to me, look, do you know, I actually can't charge parents any more money and yet I'm barely paying the bills right? and keep the lights on. None of us want to go out there and charge parents anymore. This isn't down to the parents. This is down to the government. Yeah. This is down to underfunding for the government. Why should the parents keep taking the hit? Yeah. You know, they shouldn't have to take the hit and we shouldn't have to put it on our parents. But we're left with no choice. And that's wrong. That's down to mismanagement of the government. They're not managing our childcare sector correctly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In comparison, say, with anywhere else in the EU where we'd value it an awful lot more. So we are definitely looking then at a crisis. And we're, t- to make matters worse, we're coming into back to school, on top of which we're coming into people gradually moving back to the office. There's a perfect storm gathering, isn't there? Yes, absolutely. I, I mean, watch this space because we can't do any more than what we're doing. We are advertising everywhere. Um, I know last year, you know, between last year and this year, there were 2,927 people qualified in childcare and very few of them have come back out to work in the sector. They've gone on to do more. You know, they're not coming back out. Why would you? When you can't afford to get a mortgage, you can't pay your bills. Like, and, and that's the same for, for the average provider as well. We're struggling as well. And the government need to hear this and they need to listen and they need to step up and help us now, mm. not, not leave it any longer. Yeah. Like, the other thing that, that doesn't help at all is that y- you, you absolutely have to have childcare because you cannot afford now to run a house on, on one wage. 
No, absolutely. And the other thing you have to remember is we opened up our doors last year on the 29th of June. We were the first sector to be opened up. We have not closed down since. We have looked after frontline and essential work, working parents, okay? And we we did that and we didn't bat an eyelid. We put all our health and safety protocols in, in place and everything was great. But we still have no respect for our sector at all and mm. for the workers and the work they've done and the fear that we had when our doors opened up, not knowing when it was going to come knocking on our door and whether service going to be closed down. Were we going to get sick? Nobody, like nobody's even said, well done to the sector on that. Yeah, yeah. You know, and now we have the Delta variant, which is, is, is getting, there's a lot more um, in service at the moment. And you can see it starting to gradually rise again. And, you, you know, and we were then asked, get, you know, get rid of your policies and procedures when a child comes back off a holiday, whether it be in Ireland or outside of the country, just let them back in and don't worry about it. And we didn't do it. We stuck to our policies and procedures because we want to keep everybody safe and well. Yeah. Well, and I mean, if, we... you, if, if you look, listen to health, health analyst mm-hmm. John Campbell, who's a regular on this programme with us, was doing the comparisons uh, for us the other day that the Delta variant is as contagious as chickenpox. And the only thing more contagious than the Delta variant is measles. So it, will run, it will run riot in a centre yeah. if it gets into yeah. it. Absolutely. And, and you know, that, that is what's happening in some services at the moment. There, you know, numbers are coming in and, and we're watching it very, very closely at this time, you know, to see where it's going. But we haven't, you have to remember, we don't have a lot of the after school children back in our services yet. So this is just the beginning. When we go back into September, God knows where this is going. And we can, at, at this time, for many months to come, we cannot get rid of our pod systems. There is no way we can go back down to the normal ratios. We have to keep our pod systems in play to keep everybody safe and well. Okay, which is adding to your problems. Elaine, thank you. Elaine Dunn is the chair of the Federation of Early Childhood Providers. Thank you. 1850715996. We've been talking about this one for years. The problems with the childcare sector. The huge costs and barely able to cover the bills for most childcare providers, not the really big ones now, the big ones with multiple outlets and all that, they're making they're making a, a handy fist of money. But the ordinary provider with one centre or maybe two, they're just barely, barely um, washing, washing, their, washing their faces. And I can't put the price of any more for, for the parents. And now you've got all the various difficulties uh, as a result of, of COVID and people, etc., etc. It's, it's, it's a long and difficult road for the for the childcare sector. They run out of people to, to work in it. And I've no doubt we'll be talking about that when we head into the autumn and people can't get places. 1850 just on the Apple story where Apple are introducing this new technology which will scan your photographs and match them against known, shall we say, dodgy photos. Which is good if you want to combat the spread of child sexual abuse photographs. Of course it is. No one argues about that. It's the other things for which it might be used. On WhatsApp, what Apple's planning to do is already in use since 2008 by Google and Facebook and Twitter and Microsoft and others. There is a known database of child abuse images that your photos get compared to. If they're photos of your own kids, you're fine. It'll also only work in the US and only if you have iCloud photos enabled. There's just a lot of sudden scaremongering because Apple is associated with something that's already commonplace and people think it's new. Uh, 
Apple, Apple is very big and there's an Apple iPhone in practically every house in the country. So you're right about the fact that technology isn't exactly new, but it's this new use for it. It's new use for it. And it's a very big market. And a lot of people out there, I've had iPhones for the last God knows how long. Um, and despite many people trying to tell me to move to Android, I, I don't think so. I think it'd rather cut off my arm. But the idea that, well, obviously I wouldn't be involved in anything like that, but the idea that uh, my iPhone could be used to limit what I can see, limit what I can say, limit what I can do, that would worry me. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Stormzy is getting his own waxwork in Madame Tussauds. Is that like the UK's equivalent of the Hollywood Walk of Fame? Probably will be. For them to actually give you a space you're in the waxwork. You're, you're, you're kind of like, you're important enough that people want to get photographs taken next to a giant candle made out of you. That's what they should do. Put a little wick on the top of each, each waxwork's head and flog it for Well, a Joe Wick should definitely get one. <laughs> yeah. Casey and Ross in the morning with no DC cars Blackpool for Skoda in the city. A long-standing tradition in Cork. Open 24-7 at milldc.com. Corks 96 FM. Can we just talk? 
The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 996. On Courts 96 FM. Now, it was brilliant last weekend, the bank holiday weekend, to see queues outside walk in vaccination centres. Uh, someone observed there was one in City West in Dublin and said it was like early morning queues for tickets for a rock concert. People really anxious, young people really anxious to get in and get themselves vaccinated, which is great to see. And the HSE announced during the week that they've just injected the six millionth dose of vaccine in this country. We've got one of the highest uptakes among our population in the world, which is brilliant. And we now have over 70% of our adult population fully vaccinated. Uh, and it's, it's great. And there is another uh, walk-in vaccination centre this weekend in Mallow. And Marie O'Gorman is their deputy lead coordinator and she joins me now. The uptake has been great, hasn't it, Anne-Marie? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Yes, absolutely, it has. It's fantastic to see. So where is this on? When is it on? And and who's eligible? It's on in Mallow GAA facility in Mallow Mallow Town. And it's um, walk-in clinic on Sunday from 11am to 3pm. And anybody over 16 is eligible to attend for their first dose of Pfizer vaccine. So you don't have to make an appointment, no? No, you don't even have to register through the HSE for your vaccination. You can just turn up. Obviously, it's better if people have registered because that makes the process a little bit quicker for them. But if they've had difficulty or have been put off by the technology, then they can actually register when they come into the clinic on Sunday. Right. We have extra staff on site to be able to support them and help them and assist them with that. And how many doses have you available on Sunday? Enough. <laughs> We're hoping for an awful lot of people because I think it's an absolutely fantastic um, idea and facility for people to be able to just make the impulsive decision and turn up for their vaccination. Um, so we have enough vaccine for Great. anybody that wishes to And someone will come for that. Now, if someone is awaiting a second, that's not for them. Not on Sunday, no. No. Um, if they're awaiting a second, they already have registered and are on the system and will be called for the next vaccination in line with current recommendations. And the people who do come on Sunday then, if they're pre-registered, like you said, it's great. If not, you'll, you'll do that for them there. So they'll get their first vaccine Sunday at the GA Club and then they'll be automatically called for their second, correct? Yes, absolutely. If they happen to be visiting in North Cork or on holiday up here, then their second vaccine will be provided um, at a local clinic to them. They'll be because the allocation of clinics is based on your air code. So they will be called to their local clinic for their second vaccine. All right. Okay. So it's Sunday, Mallow GAA, from what time? From 11 a.m., 3 p.m. All right. And anybody attending will need to bring their PPS number and some form of photographic ID with them as well. All right. Anne Marie, good luck with it. And great to see these uh, clinics all over the country. Anne Marie O'Gorman, Deputy Lead Coordinator of the walk-in vaccination centre on Mallow GAA Sunday from 11 till 3. They had plenty of it, plenty of Pfizer. And if you're registered, Grand, if you're not, just go along and they'll do the paperwork for you there and then and then you'll automatically be called for your second one and it's anybody over 16. This is great. Really are tearing through this. And hopefully, hopefully soon, 
we'll start to see the benefits. The daily case numbers are getting worrying again. The hospital numbers in particular are getting worrying again. I need to keep an eye on them and see where the COVID committee, the government's COVID committee is meeting to discuss where we go from here, given the numbers that are in the increasing numbers in, in the hospitals. But if you're to look at the figures, the vast majority of the people who are ending up in hospital are unvaccinated. So there's a lesson in that. 1850 Earlier in the week, we were talking about love bombing. It was Wednesday. Talking to Anna, a life coach, about love bombing and what it is. And it, that kind of a start of a relationship where you think it's the greatest thing since sliced bread, he's the nicest fella I've ever heard met in my life, or she's the nicest woman I've ever come across, and they treat me like I'm a prince or a princess, and it's great. But maybe it isn't. And it's only when you're in it and you're sucked into it that you realise that actually it isn't at all. And it can be very dangerous and manipulative and emotionally damaging. We were talking about that on Wednesday and we got an email from a person who would prefer to remain anonymous even though we have their information. We've kept it to ourselves for at, at their request. But they wrote to us about their experience with being love-bombed. And what we've had is Katie has read that email for us. Here it is. Hi, PJ. For obvious reasons, I can't come on air, but I wanted to share my thoughts on the discussion about so-called love bombing. I am a female in my mid-30s and I have been love bombed. When it starts, at first, it is the most amazing feeling. You think this is how it should be. This is like the movies. But PJ, it all comes with a significant price. And that price, in my experience, was my emotional well-being. With the lockdowns over the last 18 months, dating has been very difficult. Last October, however, I met someone. And I took it really slow. I had been in an abusive relationship before. And after that, I made a promise to myself to watch for all the warning signs and do all the right things to ensure I was not going to get hurt like that again. I still managed to get love bombed, however. Everything seemed to be going fine. There were a few things that I might have noticed, but I guess because of COVID restrictions, dating was strange anyway, and I didn't take them on board. As the country reopened, however, those red flags began to wave high in the sky. I was thinking, maybe give it a chance and give it time, and maybe I'm reading too much into it because of past experiences. You were probably wondering what these red flags were. Well, one was asking me to cross the street when we saw someone he knew. I never met his family or any of his friends. Spending time together was next to impossible, but he would text me and phone me every day. He would tell me the things I wanted to hear. So I genuinely put it all down to life and that sometimes people are genuinely very busy. It was like he wouldn't spend time with me but was happy to just have a relationship over text. And then suddenly, one weekend when I was away with friends, because I didn't make enough contact I guess, I got dumped by text and got a bundle of very cruel, mean and inappropriate messages. I guess I was lucky because it opened my eyes to the danger that I was headed down the road of another bad relationship. Your speaker, Anna, the life coach, mentioned the importance of being aware of love bombing and listening to your friends and trusting your gut feelings. However, when you are in the situation, I describe it as being like the love bomber is inside your head like a puppet master and you get sucked in and before you know it, you are going down a deadly path of emotional abuse and coercive behaviour. 
The problem is dating these days is so hard. You often don't really find out these things until it's too late. Before you realize that you've developed feelings and you think you're in a brilliant relationship, which is exactly what they want you to think. The long-term effects are soul-destroying. One minute you are being love-bombed and the next you are being rejected, ridiculed and maybe even abused. My advice to all young single people is this. Please watch out for the danger signs. Please be on your guard and don't get caught up by a love bomber. It is dangerous and it will leave a mark on you. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. O'Mahony's and Watergrass Hill have a number of live shows coming up from August Bank holiday weekend, including Neil Delamere, Cork legends of Frank and Walters, with gigs running up to September 10th with artists including Lisa Hannigan, John Spillane, Paul Noonan, Jack O'Rourke and Stephanie Rainey performing. Access all areas. Greenshine, Torkin, Little Hours, as well as Cork Cello Quartet and Ficino String Trio. Comedians Chris Kent and the often divisive David McSavage are just some of the shows coming up at the outdoor Triscoll Courtyard. Tickets and further information available at triscollartscentre.ie. Access all areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a show play or exhibition coming up or any live stream events by emailing us here at aaa at 96fm.ie Access all areas Your guide to nightlife on side On Cork's 96FM Can we just talk the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 83 396 96 96. On Cork's 96FM. Somebody was on talking about uh, the whole vaccination. We have that detail there earlier on of the walk-in vaccination centre in Mallow on Sunday. It's at the GAA between 11 and 3. And anyone over the age of 16 who hasn't had their first vaccination yet can go along and they'll do all the paperwork for you if you haven't registered and you'll get your first dose of Pfizer in that couple of hours on Sunday and they have plenty to go around, which is great. But someone was on WhatsApp saying, just listening there, wondering will a partner be allowed to attend the birth of his child if he's not vaccinated? Or what if the mother is not vaccinated? Well, you see, those restrictions in the hospitals should be over now. They shouldn't be happening according to the Minister for Health. They shouldn't be happening according to the Chief Medical Officer. Bit of a breakthrough for the live music business just breaking now, we're waiting on verification of it, but the uh, Music and Entertainment Association of Ireland met recently with the Minister Catherine Martin, who's responsible for the arts and culture and stuff, and they requested that live entertainment be allowed in various outdoor spaces. The department, according to MEAI, the department has told them now that live entertainment in beer gardens and in outdoor spaces at pubs will be permitted from today. So the lovely beer gardens that have been built uh, around the city and county and you're sitting there having your dinner or having your pint and wondering, wouldn't it be great if they could put a fella in the corner with a guitar? Well, from today, they can. According to this, we're waiting on government verification But that's news from the Music and Entertainment Association of Ireland following a meeting with Minister Catherine Martin. 
Keith Woodgate. Keith, good news at last, I think. Good morning. Oh, light at the end of the tunnel, thanks to the gods. <laughs> yeah. I, like, I've sat in, in, in great places around the city since mm. all this started, and I thought, it's brilliant. It's lovely. The food is great. The points are fantastic. Yeah. But I see no reason why on a beautiful summer's evening you can't put a fellow in the corner with his guitar. Now you can. Yeah, there was no reason all along, being honest with you. Like, I understand the guidelines and they want people to be safe and everything. But, you know, what's from a little bit of live music, you know what I mean? Um, somebody done in a safe way, somebody's away from the people, you know? Yeah. Um, we need to make money too. 510 days out of work, not being allowed to work. Yeah. But this is a start. I was talking and, to Matt McGranahan actually yesterday from... A lovely fella. Yeah, and he was saying that five, 510 days not even allowed to work. Not that yeah. you just can't work, not allowed to work. Yeah, and we still have to pay our, all our overheads for our businesses, you know. I have a van there that I, I couldn't even afford to get an NCT to get it back on the road. So living off 300 euro a week and trying to pay mortgages and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Only for my wife, you know. I know. I'd have been in trouble. I know. And look, August, September, and hopefully you'd, you'd hope that by October that, you know, you could start moving the entertainment back indoors. But August and September should be good months if we got any bit of weather at all. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to go up to Heaton's there or whatever, buy a few umbrellas. <laughs> <laughs> or an old cheap like gazebo in Woody's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. Getting under it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But look, it's, it, it's, it's something, it's a start. Yeah, like we all have bills and stuff we need to yeah. pay. They're also going to keep the support scheme going. This is also coming out of this meeting that whatever yeah. support they're, they're going to keep them going till the end of September. Well, that's good for if we're fully back by then, yeah. um, because they can't just you know we might be lucky if we get one gig a week now or something. Some pubs might want it. I, I hope that all the publicans and stuff get behind us. And mm. people are starved. People need music. We were there at the very start. If you remember when the country shut down, yeah. all us musicians around the country on Facebook trying to cheer people up. And then yeah. we got forgotten about along the way. Yeah, yeah. And it, here at the start, I made a point of anyone I knew that was doing a Facebook gig or, or an online gig of any kind, mm. giving them a little plug. And they were all very grateful. And many of them are still doing it. Like Jimmy yeah. Lee is still doing one on a Saturday night. Yeah, Roy Buckley is still yeah, doing yeah. his virtual pub. Did you do any yourself? I did one. I'll be honest with you. I did one because it was more difficult for me because I have two bands. I have a band called Revenge which yeah. is a four-piece and I have a two-piece Savage Cabbage. But I love guitar, that name by the way. I was going to get to it. <laughs> it's just a bit of fun, you know? Yeah. A bit of Irish banter. But my all my bands are from like Galway, Mullingar, Limerick. Mm. So mm. we weren't allowed to travel outside our counties and stuff. So it was a bit more difficult, you know. Yeah, yeah. But we did one to his grand a bit of fun, you know. Yeah. Well, it's great news that that, that we can start mm -hmm. having a few tunes when we have our our fish and chips and our pint of an evening time. Uh, thank you, Keith. Keith Woodgate, and good to see music getting a break today. So from today, and this is subject now to government confirmation, isn't everything these days? But I guess in the wake of the the Merion Hotel, and in in the wake of. Uh, TDs, sitting TDs, allegedly having parties in their pubs down in Kerry. I say allegedly because that picture doesn't have a date on it. It's about time that they gave the, the music musicians a break and let them have their few tunes in the corner. We're not talking about indoor gigs yet. But if you're sitting in 
the Briar Roses Garden, or if you're sitting in Barry's, or you're sitting up at the, the Murphy's Rock, we've done a great job. And so many places have done a fabulous job. Isn't it great to get a bit of, a bit of music at last? 1850-715-996. Unfortunately, though, the weather isn't with us at the moment. And I saw this most brilliant invention called the Peggy Rain. Now, the what, Paige? The Peggy Rain. It's a most brilliant idea. And it's the kind of idea that you ask yourself, why did no one ever think of this before? When you put the clothes out on the washing line, and you put them out in this, and it's grand and it's dry and a bit of sunshine, put them out in the washing line, you go in, you make a cup of coffee, you sit down, and you look at it, oh, Jesus, here comes the rain. Well, the Peggy rain is your friend. Colin O'Brien, good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Hope you're keeping very well. I am indeed, sir. What is, or who came up with the idea for the Peggy rain? Well, I'll actually, I'll, I'll roll back. The actual initial idea for Peggy Rain was a number of years ago. I was actually, I was back living in Ireland and um, I asked my mom, is there something that she would need that would make her life easier around the house? So I actually came up with Peggy Rain back then. And uh, now since then, mom has actually passed away and mom's name was Margaret and granny was also called Peggy. So when we came up with Peggy Rain this year, we decided in honour of mom to okay. call it Peggy Rain. Okay, okay. Sorry for, sorry for your loss. So no, it's okay, yeah. people are asking, what is it? So what well, is it? Okay, so what Peggy Rain is, Peggy Rain is a clothesline with instant rain protection. So just like you said, PJ, you hang your washing out in the morning and it could be a fine day and then all of a sudden a shower rain comes along. Now you could be off in town or on a Zoom call and you can't get out to the clothesline. So what Peggy Rain does, Peggy Rain will automatically sense it's starting to rain and it will then pull a cover across the clothes and keep them dry. So what we really wanted to do with Peggy Ryan was to take the stress out of drying your clothes outside. To so have all the benefits of lying drying your clothes but none of the stress. So we're, we're delighted that it's a fully Irish-owned company. We're manufacturing Peggy Rain and we have our marketing team in Cork as well. Brilliant. So it does everything. It has a sensor. Yep. And, and like, how is it? Is it a pulley system that brings out the cover or what? Yeah, so when we designed Peggy Ray, we wanted to make it as sustainable as possible. So we've no electronics, we've no batteries, none of that. What we're actually using is we have, we have a small little funnel, a Peggy Ray funnel that we're manufacturing in Brain Wicklow, and we have a little cotton tablet. And when this cotton tablet gets wet, it expands. And then what we have is we have a little pulley system, and then it pulls the cover across your clothes the minute it rains. So it just means that like, if you're out and it starts to rain, and you might be ringing your significant other at home, to bring the clothes in and it's falling on deaf ears, Peggy Rain is always there on standby and once it senses that it's starting to rain, it'll pull the cover across straight away. This is brilliant. And does it go on any clothesline? We actually supply the clothesline. So when you go on to PeggyRain.com, you get the clothesline, you get the cover, you get the Peggy Rain full, you get the pegs, you get the whole lot. So what we're doing at the moment is we have it from our website, PeggyRain.com, and you can log in. We've got free shipping all around Ireland. Now, a bit like the farmers looking for rain, PJ, the last, the last two weeks, we were building stuff during the heat wave, and now it's starting to rain. We're selling Peggy Rain from Cork to Donegal, even to Leeds and Manchester. But uh, no, when you go to the website, PeggyRain.com, you can see it all there. Um, we've loaded the videos up, and it's basically it's all going to be shipped out and delivered to you to your home. Deadly. I must bring in at this stage Zoe, Zoe Littlejohn, who's the marketing 
executive. Zoe, this is one of these ideas that you can... Why did no one ever think of this before? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Great. It is, isn't it? It's such a simple thing. Yeah, I know. Um, it's, it's so simple, but it's crazy. It hasn't been invented yet. Yeah. So how does one go about getting one? Um, so you can go onto the website, um, peggyrain.com, and you can purchase online. So it's all um, online purchases at the moment. Right. And the turnover time is what? What's it cost? Um, so at the moment, it's €49 euro and there's free shipping in all of Ireland. Okay. Okay. But there's um, a discount for 10% on at the moment, just that we have for general customers um, with their code WELCOME10. Right. Okay. Colin, I can see world domination. <laughs> Thanks, PJ. It's funny. What we've actually had is, like, we've designed Peggy Rain for the Irish market and the Irish people. And I was just saying to, to, to Zoe the last day, we're getting, we're getting clicks all around Ireland, the west of Ireland, Dublin, you know, anywhere around this country. But we've been getting loads of clicks in the UK. Um, I think it started raining first a couple of weeks ago in there during the football, and then we're selling there. But we're also getting them in the US as well. So, yeah, look, we're, we're actually going to be flat out at the moment. Luckily, luckily, we had a heat wave for a few weeks for us to build stock, and now it's raining everywhere. We're, we're shipping out. But we do have a quantity available. So if anybody wants to go on to www.peggyrain.com, you can secure yours now, and we'll, we'll ship it out over the weekend. All right. Okay. Listen, Joe and Zoe and Colin, thanks. It's a clothesline that not only dries your clothes, as it's supposed to, but if it starts rain, it keeps them dry. It's kind of mad and kind of simple and kind of a great idea. There's no rotary version as yet, apparently, but it's that's great. <laughs> that's the, 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 the simple things. 1850 Here's a question from a listener. What do I need to travel to the UK to visit my sister? I haven't seen her in three years, so I'm confused, says a listener in Kilmallock. Kilmallock listener, my personal belief is, and Fergal will check this for me in a heartbeat, if you have been vaccinated, you can go. And there isn't a problem. If you have your digital vaccination cert, you can go. And there isn't a problem. Otherwise, you can. You, you may need to get tested and you may need to quarantine when you come back and all that. But if you're doubly vaccinated and you have your cert, off you go. And tell our sister... Or tell your sister we said hello. 1850 996 There's a great series of gigs coming up uh, in Cork over the next few weeks. They're called Magic Nights by the Lee. Uh, they start on the 20th of August at Ballancolic Regional Park. They're all outdoors. Uh, the White Horse Guitar Club will do that one. At the Ballinlock Park on Saturday, 21st of August, John Spillane and Lorraine Nash take the stage. The Franks are at Fitzgerald's Park on Friday, 27th. Stevie G has a showcase of great new young artists. That's an afternoon gig at Fitzgerald's Park on Saturday, 28th. Sunday, 29th, in Fitzgerald's Park, the sounds of Schlieve Lucre. And Saturday, 4th of September, at the Glen River Park. Great selection of venues. An evening of classical and pop with Jack O'Rourke, Keith Pascoe and Sinead Nivoriku. But on Saturday the 28th at Fitzgerald's Park, there is a performance of Machia. Now, Machia has taken off like the Delta variant, you might say. It's a huge, huge success. And I'm thrilled to be joined by Candy Warhol. Hi, DJ. How are you? How are you, Candy? How are things? 
this, what an introduction. This has taken <laughs> off like the Delta variant. <laughs> so it has. Yeah, hopefully a bit more positive um, <laughs> on people's lives than that now. <laughs> now, <laughs> look, with, 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 with roots to Danny LaRue, yes. sure you'd be a natural at this. But it has taken off huge, hasn't it? It has, it has. And um, when I moved back to Cork, I'd been, I've been doing drag now for 10 years, but when I moved back to Cork four or five years ago, I noticed that there was a, a lack of drag on the scene. And, you know, we, we decided, let's just do one, one gig, like one off gig. And it was so well received. It, just, like, it was just a springboard from there. And we'd be doing it every week or every month since then. Because mm. when you think of the greatest drag of them all, i.e. Yeah. Danny, having come yeah. from Cork, it's, it's only natural we'd have a scene here. What's, what, what attracted you? Was it the connection to Danny or what attracted you into it? I do think there must have been something there. Like, uh, like there's, I always have this pun, like there must have been glitter in my veins because when I was around 11, my dad did bring me to see a Daniel LaRue show at the Everyman Palace and I do remember being overwhelmed in the best way and, and kind of wanting you know, to be on the stage as well. But I was always attracted to, to drag, whether it was like in movies like Priscilla or seeing, seeing Danny. So there must have been something there that I always wanted to perform and always wanted to dress up and wanted to be part of the spectacle as well. That's one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. <laughs> it's it's so brilliant. Good. And, and so this good. is like, we, those of us who are not connected to the scene, you, you don't know, <laughs> it's a massive scene. Like, it, it was RuPaul, scene. right, the TV show, and you've got the TV show as well. This is huge. It's so big, and, and I have to say, I mean, drag has always had a huge, like you just said, it's always had its roots in Ireland, and especially in the likes of Cork and Dublin. But then with the likes of RuPaul's Drag Race being added to Netflix, it's now in everyone's living room, which means that our show has now become busier because it's kind of gone from just having, you know, a gay audience to now teenage girls, kids, straight men. Like, it's now everyone is wanting to see it because of the likes of RuPaul's Drag Race introducing it and then they get to come to our shows and we get then get to do a completely different style and show them a completely different side of drag that they don't see on Drag Race. Comedy wise you can get away with murder in drag. Murder. And I, I think I think what with Machia I think we're, we're, we're probably the only kind of drag troupe to do this. We love Irish culture. We love course culture, RTE, things like that, and we put a spin on everything. So again, you're not going to see that on Drag Race. So we do get away with everything. Is this, Lily, is this Lily Savage <laughs> with a Cork accent now? I mean, I, you know what? Well, what, what I love about Machia is like every single queen is different. So yeah. with, with me, it's more comedy. With another queen, you might you know get all like the tricks and the flips, and another queen, it might be uh, something completely different. We'll do everything from Theresa Mannion and Ryan Turbidy <laughs> to something that you might see on Drag Race, where we're doing big choreographed routines. And I think Ryan, that's, that's Ryan, the Ryan Turbidy in a frock. I, I, just, I get my head around that idea. I know. I, I did tell him that. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, okay. When, yeah, when we, you started we, out at this, Candy. Like, did you have any yeah. realization how big it was going to get for you? I don't think so. And I think I uh, again when I first started, Drag Race had only just come out. Like I had barely seen it, so I was doing it in Limerick Art College just as a as a as a way of um, uh, performance art in my course. And then I met Panty, and I did the Alternative Miss Ireland and the Olympia, and it kind of it started springing from there. I started doing gigs and gigs. But then, like like you just said, with, with the likes of Drag Race, the gigs started getting bigger because there was a demand. And once I found my niche of like Irish comedy, 
I, I really started paving a way for myself. And then through Crazy Machia, it really started becoming a business for me. You know, I yeah. saw that there was a market there and I kind of jumped on it. Well, it's fantastic. And, and the, there's, a, there's a great documentary and went on RT recently, King of yep. Queens, uh, telling, yeah. telling the story. And it's well worth watching. You look, for, look forward to the game. I think they've all gone. They're, they're all sold out in, well, there's free, but the tickets are gone. Like, like, I like think we're sold out in like 20 minutes. And by the time we had announced it, they were almost gone, which I think... I think Cork and like Ireland in general is starving for live entertainment. You know, yeah. it's been 18 months. Like, yeah. it, it, there's such a huge demand. And it's going to be our first gig in, in 18 months. You know, one of our last gigs was just before the pandemic, the one that you see in that documentary. Like, we're dying to get back on the stage, but the crowd is just dying to just, just have a laugh and just, like, see live music or entertainment or drag. So I can't wait for it. I think it's going to be brilliant. That's yeah, one thing for sure. They'll get a laugh. Oh, All right, listen, good, good luck with it and, and delighted that you're back performing um, and that everybody else is back performing. Candy Warhol, Magic Nights by the Lee and they are in Fitzgerald's Park, Muckia, Saturday 28th of August at 8 o'clock. I think there isn't a ticket left to be had, unfortunately. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, that horse jumping or show jumping round didn't go too well for Natalia Coyle. It's weird in the pentathlon. It's the craziest event. They don't have their own horse. They're drawn to a horse. So she was fourth going into the round. She got drawn clearly on something that is only fit for the glue factory. And she's now 17th. She had a pretty awful round on the horse. But it's another quirk of this incredible competition. Uh, where, where they, for the show jumping, they have to are the horse horsing around. They, they have to actually be drawn for a horse. They don't have their own horse, so it didn't go so well for Natalia in that round of the modern pentathlon, but maybe she can pull it back because she was doing so well uh, up to then. On the vaccine clinics, we know about the one in Mallow on Sunday at the GA between 11 and 3. There's one at the City Hall tomorrow, Saturday, from 10 till 4. Again, for everybody over 16 who hasn't yet received a first vaccine. That's City Hall tomorrow, Saturday, and Maloga, uh, Sunday, 11 until 3. In regard to Bantry Hospital, yeah, I'll, I'll read that in a little while. I have a very, very special guest on the opinion line. You're coming back to Cork, Bosco. Can you believe it? It's the most exciting thing that has happened to me since the beginning of the pandemic. I'm coming back. When is this happening? Well, every man are doing outdoor shows at Elizabeth Fort. I've never been there before, but I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. And it's going to be on Sunday, the 15th of August, and I'm going to do two shows, 
one at twelve thirty and one at three thirty, and I'm so excited, PJ. You're going I, to I, love Elizabeth Ford's Bosco. Oh my! I I saw pictures of it, and I think it looks really cool. Do you know it's like something you'd find behind your own magic door? Wow! I'll have a great time, so won't I? You will, you will. And are there tickets available now? And how can the boys and girls and mammies and daddies go about getting them? Well, they just have to go to the Everyman website and then look for Outdoors at Elizabeth Fort. And they can get tickets there. I'm so excited about it because it's ages since I've been to Cork. But I've seen loads of pictures of Cork and it looks beautiful with all the seats outside and the umbrellas and... I love Cork anyway, you know that. Oh, I know, and and you've been in to visit me here, and I got my picture taken with you a few years ago, and it was one of the proudest moments of my entire career. Bosco, it's so great to to hear from you. Have you been bored in your little box during the pandemic? No, not really, because I don't really get bored very often, because I always find something to do. I go outside in the garden and I grew lots of flowers, like sunflowers. And at the moment, they're growing really high up in the sky. I but love sunflowers. I but you're so, you're so small, a sunflower would be like building a skyscraper for you. It's like a beanstalk. <laughs> it's just like a beanstalk. Bosco's and I, beanstalk. I imagine that there's... A giant at the top of it, but it's really only a bee because the bees love the sunflowers. Brilliant, brilliant. And so do I. They're my favourite flower. Pasco, Elizabeth Fourth, the 4th, the 15th of August, two shows, and the tickets are at everyman.ie. That's it. All and right. I'm really looking forward to it. And thank you to Sophie Johnston. She's the new boss at the Everyman. Yeah. And she asked me to come down. So I'm really excited. But I think there's lots of other shows on as well. There so if loads. you go to the Everyman, you might have a great day out at Elizabeth Fort. All right. It's hard to say Elizabeth Fort, isn't it? It sounds <laughs> like I'm saying Fort yeah. and not Fort. <laughs> you That's do. You're doing, I know, you're doing great, Bosco. Listen, delighted to have you coming back to Cork. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. Cork's 96FM's Be Kind to Your Mind. With GP, author and wellness expert, Dr. Mark Rowe. The pandemic has really had an impact on people's mental health and emotional well-being. You don't have to make radical changes to really enhance your well-being. I talk about the power of small, the the small positive changes that will add up to make a big difference. So I think self-care is really, really important. It's an absolute foundational choice by looking after yourself, whether it's your physical health, your mental health or your emotional well-being, that you doing that not just enables you to be the best version of you in the world it supports everybody around you whether it's your family your work colleagues your friends neighbors your community helping you through covid helping you through covid corks 96 fm can we just talk the opinion line with pj coogan text or whatsapp now 083 396 96 96 on corks 96 fm have you missed that story just in the last hour story that broke from the music and entertainment 
Association of Ireland. It's now been confirmed by Falcha Ireland that outdoor live music is permitted from today in beer gardens or outdoor spaces around hotels or anything like that. So you'll begin to see a little bit of live music coming back in those places, presumably from this evening. I imagine bar bar owners and people with with beer gardens are, are ringing artists right now to try and get someone in uh, for tonight, which is great to see. Great to see. And by the way, if you are planning to go out uh, this evening, it is International Beer Day. Yes, it is. There is such a thing. It was inaugurated in 2008. And International Beer Day is a thing. And today is it. So there might be the click of a can later on, or maybe the pull of a pint, you know what I mean? So a great day to celebrate the return of live music in open air, outside pubs, than International Beer Day. 1850-715-996. Something you might also fancy this weekend is some good grub. We don't have an Indonesian restaurant in the city yet. We could have one day. We have loads of Chinese, we have Thai, we have all those other things, but we don't have an Indian. We don't have an Indonesian restaurant yet, which is a pity because their cuisine is just so varied so varied and, and so flavoursome too. Even even reading the recipes, your mouth starts to water. Harriette, good morning to you. Hi, morning, PJ. How are you? Good. What, like, Indonesian food is a combination of all different kinds of culture because Indonesia, of course, is a huge place. Yeah, yeah, they are. we are. <laughs> yeah, we try in a very huge area. We have 34 provinces and then each region has a uh, different cuisine. Yeah. So, yeah, and then it's influenced one to uh, to the others. Yeah. yeah. Some of it, I was reading just a list of some recipes this morning. Some of them are meat-based. Some of them are very vegetarian and plant-based. So there's something for everybody in the Indonesian food. Yeah, yeah. If you are, if you are vegetarian, you will love Indonesian food also. And then same as... The meat eater, because mm-hmm. we have a lot of uh, variety yeah. for the cheesy, yeah, for yeah. the beef. Well, I'm I'm a confirmed meat eater. Um, <laughs> satay <laughs> is the most. Oh, you get satay in a Chinese, but but um, satay is an Indonesian dish, correct? Yeah, yeah. yeah. This yeah. is uh, it's it's such a lovely way to serve meat. Yeah, it's it's just like meat. It. it it can be any meat, like chicken, beef, pork, yeah, uh, even seafood. Yeah, oh, go seafood, so, really? Yeah, yeah. We we have like um, um, mussel and squid. Wow. Things like that. Yeah, cool. put in on the skewer. Cool. One I haven't heard of before is a thing, mm-hmm. and and as I said, reading it now, I I want some. Is a thing called rendang. What's rendang? Rendang. Rendang is uh, that traditional uh, dish from West Sumatra. It's uh, this usually using beef, mm-hmm. and it's been um, slow cooked and braised in a coconut milk, oh, seasoned with herb and spice mixture, yeah. and then it's really 
really slow cook until all the liquids were yeah. evaporated. And the meat is really, then, really soft then, isn't it? Yeah, yeah soft yeah. and tender, dark, because also you put like a shredded coconut yeah. into it. Yeah, yeah, it makes like a brown, blackish color. You use a lot of coconut milk in, in, in your cooking. And a couple of years ago, um, at home, my, yeah. my, the, my missus makes a, a great curry, but she started putting coconut. It makes a massive difference to a dish. Yeah. It really yeah. does. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It's, um, it's make, make the food very rich. Yeah. Rich and creamy yeah. and, and very, very, very strongly flavoursome. It, not only does it have its own flavour, but it brings out the flavour of other things, I think, as well. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's right, yeah. So, so for the non-meat eaters then, uh, there's, there's a gorgeous salad. Gado, uh, gado. Yeah. Tell me that's, about that. Yeah, gado, yeah, uh, gado, you can, you can put any vegetables in it and then it's... It's now it's become more popular with the vegetarians. Yeah, and uh, you eat with the the sauce. Usually, it's a peanut sauce. Right, right. Uh, like a, as a dressing is peanut sauce dressing. Yeah, and um, often it's served with the hard boiled egg, the boiled potato. So it will suit the Irish. With the boiled potatoes? Yes, of course, we love our spuds. We love our... (laughs) Yeah, fried tofu or tempeh. And also crackers. Indonesians love crackers. Yes, yes. On top of the gado-gado. And usually we eat with the... What we call is a lontong. It's a rice uh, rice cake. Right. Rice wrapped in banana leaves. And we steam, yeah. Oh, lovely. Now... Yeah, another... Sorry. Another variation... Another variation of the gado-gado is a uh, caredo. It's just a uh, raw version of gado-gado. Instead of you steam the vegetables, you use all the raw vegetables yeah. in caredo. It's similar to gado-gado. Before yeah. I get on to some sweet stuff, because I know you do great sweet desserts and stuff, mm-hmm. the, uh, how spicy is Indonesian food? In general, I mean, it, like, there's a thing here called samboy chin, ch- chili sauce, and it looks it it looks like strong stuff. Yeah, uh, it 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 just can suit everybody. It's uh, usually sambal is uh, spicy, very spicy, but some doesn't like the very spicy. They 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 can just put less chili in there. Gotcha. It's yeah. Yeah. You put it in. It's with a, made, yeah. You can put it with anything, really, with a meat dish, or a vegetable dish, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. it's you make it with, with the garlic, ginger, uh, shallot, palm sugar, of, of course, the chilies. Then, yeah. And sometimes you add a shrimp paste on that. Right. Come on to the sweet stuff because I think we have hugely sweet tooths or teeth from cork. Mm-hmm. And like you say, you use coconut many different ways um, and the, you use it in a thing called getuk. Getuk, yeah. Yeah, that's... Getuk is... Uh, mashed boiled cassava. What's cassava? Cassava. Um, cassava is... Uh, what do you call? It's root... 
Right. It's roots, yeah. Oh, it's a root thing, okay. It's, kind of like it's a, a plant, right? Yeah? But yeah, yeah, it's you. plants, sorry. I got you. It's okay. plants, like uh, roots, like uh, potatoes, oh, things gosh. like that. But instead, he has a, it has a stain, quite hard stain. Right, okay. Um, yeah. Okay. And then you can also eat the, the leaves of cassava. You can make another dish from gotcha. cassava leaves. Now... But yeah, but this getuk is must you boil the cassava, mash it, mix with the grated coconut, sugar and salt. Yeah. And then sometimes you put a coloring into it. Gotcha. Or gotcha. also palm sugar to make it the like a brownish color. Yeah. Or uh chocolate powder. Yeah. It's an awful but pity usually, we don't we don't have uh an Indonesian restaurant in Cork because this, this stuff is, is gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, I know. You, you miss all your home food. Yeah, you know, all the, yeah. And, and home cooking stuff and and whatever. Uh, Fergus just put up a picture of of cassava for me here now. Yeah, it kind of looks like a, it kind of looks like a a long brown carrot that you that you cut up. Yeah, it's a bit hard. Yeah, you peel the, the skin cut into pieces and uh, boil or steam them. Yeah. Usually you steam them, yeah. Do, do you know, Hariati, if yeah. you can buy the ingredients in Cork and we could make some of this stuff at home? Uh, yeah, no, you, 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 can buy, you, you can buy some stuff in um, Asian food, uh, Asian groceries. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You you can you can get the cassava or even banana different banana for fried banana from the shop the Asian shop Great. and other ingredients herb Brilliant. yeah okay all right we'll be all be we'll all be experimenting over the weekend good good to good to speak with you yeah uh, and then the yeah the you traditionally in Indonesia we cook with the uh, fresh ingredients. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, it, some of it's really fresh. healthy. Some of it, then, not so much, right? <laughs> Don't eat too much. It, it'd be okay. You'll be okay. <laughs> good, good. All right. All right. Listen, I've been hungry yeah. just thinking about it. Hariati, thank you very much for being with us. Uh, Indonesian cuisine and cooking. We don't have an Indonesian restaurant in but Look at the recipes that they have. Look at the stuff they have. I love my Chinese. I love my Indian. I'm, 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 I can give or take Thai food. But uh, Indonesian looks just massive. Another thing we don't have in Cork, we did have at one point, was a Greek restaurant. I don't know if we if we uh, have one anymore. And we had a Lebanese restaurant at one point. I think there's one still here, but we never had it. We don't think I don't think we've ever had Indonesian restaurant in Cork. We'd lovely to try it. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Right. Let's go back to that Bantry General Hospital story. And Dr. Paul O'Sullivan was on to us from Bantry, reminding us that there is a protest in the square at one o'clock tomorrow, a protest against the continuing situation at Bantry Hospital. Uh, we had a call to say, my father-in-law is in a nursing home in Bantry. It was the closest we could get to the city at the time. Now that he's settled there, the worst thing we could do is move him. Twice he has needed minor hospital care. The home is five minutes from Bantry Hospital but it had to be COH by ambulance for him. It's two hours' drive each way, so basically that ambulance and that highly professional team were tied up for a full shift 
bringing him uh, from Bantry to Cork. And again, same thing when he was discharged, assuming for something that could and should be quite easily done for him at Bantry Hospital. It's Sunday, Sunday, yes, Sunday at one o'clock in the square in Bantry is when that protest is on. 1850 7159. Oh, oh, it seems there is. There is a, a Greek restaurant. That's a new one on me. Uh, it's called Nosta, and it's in Marlborough Street. I will maybe be venturing in there soon for a pot of cleft tiki or something. It'd be nice. It'd be very nice. 1850-715-996. On the Peggy, Peggy Rain, which is the, the washing line, that as soon as it senses the rain... Out pops this little thing to keep the washing dry. Somebody's wondering, Anne is wondering, hi PJ, would they please invent a Peggy wind? <laughs> yeah, and what about a Peggy dog that hits the dog a clout or something when it goes to pull a towel off the line and sleep on it? That still happens, you know. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850-715-996 On Cork's 96FM. There's more details coming out now about the changes made in time for the weekend. God, you know what? They can move quick smart when the pressure is on them. There's a whole new set of guidelines have just been published by Falcher Ireland. Uh, there are the It allows for music in an open-air setting by a pub. Uh, there's a piece in the Times which I'm kind of dragging myself through at the moment. So I'll bring you as much as I can from that before we finish. But things are changing. And like I said, after Zappone Gate and Merrion Gate and all these kind of things that were happening uh, and the fact that the law existed since the 4th of July and no one seemed to know about it and it wasn't written into the regulations that were published or the guidelines published by Fulcher Ireland for the 19th and the 26th and all those various reopening dates, even though the law did exist from the 4th of July. Now they've gone and uh, pretty much been bounced into doing something quickly and they've done it this morning. So I'll, I'll give you more of that as we get it. But I want to catch up with someone who's not been on the show in a while. How are you doing, Trisha Lewis? Good morning. How are you getting on? Not too bad at all. You've become an international success since we spoke last. Well, I'm still here. I'm happy out. <laughs> good, good for you. How are you getting on, Trisha? I'm flying. I'm really, really good now. I I'm kind of, I suppose my whole world is changing every week and I'm loving it. Yeah. 200,000 followers on the gram now. You need it to control this, girl. You really do. <laughs> <laughs> and brand ambassador and everything else. It's come a long way, Tricia, hasn't it? It has. Um, I find, like, I suppose I started out on a journey to change my health and I ended up changing kind of my career, my lifestyle, my hobbies, everything. Everything kind of transformed with me and I'm loving it. Yeah. Um, I finished up in Jacobs. My heart broke, but I made the decision. And I'm now a brand ambassador for Aldi, and I'm writing books and doing cooking courses and whatnot. You're living proof that it can be done. Yes, it can be done. It can be done in a positive way. I don't think I think weight loss can often be looked as punishment, and I, I don't want that. I've I spent a long time hating who I was. I'm not going to do the rest of my life doing it. I'm going to do it now and love who I am and just keep the maintenance going and chip away at it whenever I can. And you know. The first radio interview you ever did was here on this programme and you were a bag of nerves doing it. And look at oh you now. Oh my God, I was so scared. And I still get very, very nervous because I, don't, I, I think that, you know, I think so many people 
so, struggle with weight, you'd be nervous. You might say the wrong thing and it could upset somebody because somebody's upset enough as it is. But I, 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 I will always be so grateful for the day that he contacted me to tell my story because I think it really started from there and the feedback that I got from your listeners was was incredible. So thank you for that. I know. No, there's, there's, there's an awful lot of love out there for you. Tricia, you've, you've joined forces now with, with Deborah Ireland. Uh, it's an awful disease, and I'll talk to Emma in a little while about it, but epi- EB, epidermolysis bullosa, butterfly skin. It's an awful disease. How did you come in contact with it, Tricia? Um, so you're going to be chatting to Emma. I'm going to put it out there for and She's a legend. Um, so I came in touch with it because they emailed me about three years ago to see what I like to partake in the Arctic Circle, where I would go to the Arctic Circle and raise funds. And I said to them, look, unfortunately, I don't think I'd be fit enough, but I will have a look at the video they sent me. And that video, I think, changed my life that day because it was a video of the wonderful Emma, who you're going to talk to next. And it was a bandage change that she was going through. See, Emma's body is covered with 80% of wounds and she has changed bandages every day and pop blisters and clean skin. And it's, it was it was really, really upsetting to watch. But I remember swearing that I would do anything I could to help them and then an opportunity came up where I was the brand ambassador for the women's mini marathon and I said I would raise funds for them and and I feel that I'm I'm hooked because I lo- I know every charity is special but I feel this one it touched a nerve with me Emma's a very similar age to me and when I watched her I could see I could see pain but I could also see resilience and she's just the most wonderful woman so eventually I I asked them I was like can I be ambassador please because I die I just I feel connected with them and since then now we've been raising funds last year in October I raised 36,000 euro through my Instagram page and just doing what we can so I'm really really excited and and when I watched that video my heart broke and tears did fall and Emma was kind enough last week to let me into her house and welcome me in and I witnessed the bandage bandage change for the first time and and I really when we're doing this September challenge that video will be shown I really would urge anybody if you're thinking about 20 euro to go on a cup of cups of coffee next week if you can just give it towards Deborah Ireland because what the pain that that woman goes through and, and all of the other families that suffer with EB in Ireland is it's it's terrifying PJ it really is and before I bring Emma in to talk about it September challenge what yes. how does it what what how, how does it work Okay, so for the month of September, there's 30 days, and then there's 300 families in Ireland that are suffering with EB. So what we're asking is that people can do 10,000 steps per day to represent the families that are suffering with it, and it'll raise funds, but also raise awareness, because before this, I didn't know it, and I think I would be frightened of EB, and, you know, it's it's so scary because the wounds are really, really sore looking. But now that I know it, I can see them and not EB. The slogan is see me, not EB. So in the month of September, all people have to do, they register 20 euro, we get a t-shirt, 10,000 steps a day. So you're benefiting your health, you're benefiting the charity and you're just doing something for people who are, are suffering. And what I'm going to do is because Emma sadly lost her foot to cancer in 2019 and she won't physically be walking it, but she'll be out every single day. I'm going to do Emma steps. So I'll do 20,000 steps and we crossed the finish line together because with this, I found a friend as well in Emma and she's, she's the most wonderful person. She can go from one second making me cry to making me laugh. So I don't know what way, what way she does it, but she's wonderful. So if anybody is listening, just please, please, please sign up. It'll, it'll make such a difference. And even to hear the reaction within the Deborah Ireland gang and the excitement and how invested everybody is in. So September, 10,000 steps a day for 30 days. It'll get you moving and it'll also help the charity. Stay there, Tricia, because I'm going to bring Emma in now. Emma Fogarty, good morning. 
Hi, PJ. How are you? Good. I'm very well. Hello, uh, Emma. You're not going to say hello to me. Hi, Chase. <laughs> you, you live with this awful condition. I, I, the, I remember reading about children uh, with yes. it. You, mm. you're, you're an adult now, around the same age as Tricia. How does it affect... Like, Describe, first of all, what is it, Emma? So, uh, it's epidermolysis bullosa, uh, as you said, um, and it, it basically means that my skin is as fragile as the wings of a butterfly. So, if if I was uh, walking in a shopping centre, and which we luckily get to do now, um, I and say accidentally somebody hit me with their handbag or their shopping or their whatever, or they just bumped off me, the skin would tear right off my body. Um, so, as Trisha said, 80% of my body is covered in open wounds and they have to be dressed, they technically have to be dressed every day, but there's a full bandage change every Monday, Wednesday and Friday. I'm actually in the middle of one here right now. Um, and and then on Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, we do kind of emergency changes, which could vary from uh, three to six to, to even ten bandages. Um, a day, um, and, and they take time themselves. So technically, I do bandages every day, um, which is which is rough going. I would take huge amounts of painkillers. Painkillers, you won't believe I take. Um, I take a lot of medication for that, just yeah. to get me through the day as as oh. much as get me through the bandages. Yeah, and, and you yeah. literally live your entire life covered in bandages. Yeah, yeah, I'm totally bandaged from, I'm very lucky, shocking, but I'm very lucky. My face and neck are quite good, but from my shoulders down, I'm I'm totally bandaged, yeah. The whole body? Whole body, yeah, yeah. Good God. And so it's it's so simple that if literally, for example, I were to walk past you and brush off you. Yes. Yeah, the skin would tear or cause a blister, but the blister would continue to grow until it is burst by a needle. So if you got a blister yourself, PJ, you wouldn't burst it. It would just dry up and it would go away. But for me, because I'm lacking in collagen, um, the blister would just get bigger and bigger and bigger. And I've had blisters the size of small mandarins, kind of, and they would then turn into a wound which will have to be dressed. And they, them ones could stay for, oh God, minimum a month to six weeks. And I've had wounds last 18 months. I was just going to ask, do, do they heal? Like if you hurt, say, your arm now, if you hurt your yeah. arm and, and there's a, you bandage it, like does it heal up? Does new skin form? They do heal, but there could be a new wound there in a week or a month. So the skin will never, when it does heal, it will never be the same again. So there's a lot of, like, my skin, my face and neck are, are white and they're good and they look well, but I have a lot of scar tissue all over my body, which is a, a very bright red. It looks like it looks like I was in a fire, basically. Wow. And, of course, scar yeah. tissue, that's that's tough anyway. Yeah. So, so yeah. that can split itself, can't it? Exactly. That's it. If it gets too dry, that will split open itself. So yeah. you spend how much time every day just looking after your skin? How much time so, do you spend? Uh, about four hours. About four hours to do a bandage change alone. And then there's medication on top of that, which I take every every two hours minimum, minimum, at minimum. Um, and then, yeah, it's just, then a bandage could fall off and you'd be doing that again. And 
it, it just it varies every day really yeah. but uh, four hours is a full bandage change and, and there is no treatment for this no there isn't I mean the only treatment is is keeping yourself as well as you possibly can keeping infections at bay because infection as as uh, you know a lot of people get infections but it is a, a silent killer it can kill um and unfortunately you know it, it, it's just that way you know infection can lead to sepsis can move on from that right. um so we have to be very careful about that so i will be on a lot of um antibiotics last year I was on seven antibiotics in eight months. And is there ever relief? You said you take a lot of painkillers, like, yeah. and I assume what you're doing at the moment, and thank you for taking the break to, to speak no, with no, me. No, no. Um, I'm like, happy to. You, the, the, the process at the moment of changing your bandages, like, yeah. that, is that sore, painful? Oh, it's, it's excruciating. There's no words. I mean, Trisha will tell you herself. She was, she was down and she was literally in the door and we were doing the knee and I screamed the house down doing the knee because there's there's about uh, 10% skin on the knee right now. 10% of skin on the right knee right now and Trisha you saw it yourself um, so yeah. it, it just, it, it's just screaming, it's, it's excruciating and I'm on the likes of morphine fentanyl um, ketamine, diazepam I'm on the work but, and I've actually hit the ceiling of how far I can actually go. Right. So um, I'm on a huge amount um, that n- no person should technically be able to tolerate. Yeah. Um, you build a tolerance it, to these things, yes, of course, which causes it. problems. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. Exactly, and that causes the problem then. Yeah. So, but I, it literally just takes the edge off. And that's, wow. that's even just going for a walk. Like I'd be in a wheelchair and I go over a bump and I'm, I'm squealing because... There could be no, there could be no skin on my thighs or my bum, and I go over a bump, and you're screaming, going, "Oh my God, that that really hurts," you know. So a bump, uh, a speed ramp, <laughs> uh, uh, a pothole, anything like that, even a stone, something as small as a stone or an uneven surface can hurt. Oh my goodness! Me. Future, yeah. How do you how do yeah. you keep going? What choice do I have, PJ? Do you know, I have no choice. It's either. Uh, live and enjoy life to the best of my ability or curl up in the corner and die. That's it. That's my choice. That's yeah. it. And I choose to live and live the best life I possibly can and, and push it to the very best, you know, and, and do so much. And, 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 and I love being involved with Deborah Ireland. So yeah. September for me and Trisha is very exciting. Good, good. And because yeah. you can't walk, she's going to do the 20,000 exactly. steps Which a day is for so you. Sweet. She's yeah. so sweet. When she told me, I nearly cried. It was just such such a lovely thing to do. I mean, 10,000 steps is an awful lot in a day for anyone anyway, but for 20,000 steps, that's just that's amazing. But I am looking forward to getting out and doing a walk every day anyway, you know, as as, um, as best I can. It, it won't be anywhere near 10,000 steps, but it will. I'll, get, I'll do as much as I can do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, you're, you're incredible. I cannot... Imagine our countenance. I don't think anybody else can who's listening yeah. cannot yeah. comprehend the level of pain, living yeah. in pain. I, like you're yeah. in pain as we speak now. Oh yes, yeah. I'm in constant pain. I I go to sleep and I wake up several times in the middle of the night just in pain. Um, so it's like turning it's, in your sleep can cause. Problems. Yeah, I was I was actually in bed one night and I rubbed my ear off the pillow just. 
slightly. The next day, the pillow was covered in blood and there was a wound on my earlobe. That's how easy it is. Uh, to turn around in bed, I actually have to physically wake myself up and lift my body off the bed and turn around that way. I can't just roll over like your average person would. One of, the, one of the simple pleasures of life, just turning over in the bed. Exactly, that's it, yeah. And, and I love my sleep, not that I get a lot of it, but yeah, I have to actually wake up and and lift myself off the bed, yeah. Crikey. Yeah, you're you're so. you're you're so matter of fact about it and so brave about yeah. it. I can see why she. I can see why she'd get to you, Tricia. You have a big heart as it is. <laughs> oh my she God! Does. And she just isn't man. Listening to Emma speak there, just her attitude to life, and she's been dealt a very very raw deal of cards. And you see the words lucky, grateful, and comparing other people's kind of maybe challenges to hers. And I don't think Emma realizes what a superhero she is and what what a wonderful person. So. That's why, and if I had to do 50,000 steps a day, I would do it for Emma, 100%. Oh, you're so sweet. You're so sweet. But, you know, I just I just think that I do what anyone else would do in my situation. And that's how I always always look at it. Yeah. Um, because people do say, you're amazing, inspiration. And I say, I just do what, what you would do if you were dead. This this hand of cards, but, you know. Does it ever, though, I suppose, Emma, I might must do, get hard? Yeah. Do, do, you ever, do you ever just scream at the moon why me oh yeah oh yeah of course I mean everyone has the bad days whether even illness or not I think everyone has their bad days but yeah there's certainly times I mean there when I lost my leg in 2019 god I cried and I told my PA that she may get used to my room because I was never leaving it again and Mm. Yeah, it was, was that was it, that it, down it, to the E B? E, 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 uh, well, uh, it was down to E B. I suppose there's a lot of complications that come along with E B. And as I said, infection is one of them. Cancer is the second big uh, problematic issue with E B. As you get older in life, uh, kids wouldn't get it so much as, as kind of twenties onwards. You'd be more at risk of cancer. And I had a, a very bad wound on my foot, and it got worse and worse. And it, uh, in October, I was diagnosed with cancer, and in November, it was it was taken away. So, um, yeah, it was it was it was a rough year. We all we, it was it was hard because I was I was really proud that I was 35 and I was doing relatively well and things were going well. You know, I, I had the odd infection here and there, but I was happy and I was you know doing quite well and and enjoying life and. Like, I've always said your life can change in a second, and my life changed in a phone call. Like, it was it was just that yeah. simple. It was just that. So, um, but it was hard, and it's taken a long, long time to adapt and readjust. And, yeah. and unfortunately, my body has taken a bigger hit since losing the foot. Because now I've only one foot to stand on, which makes it more 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 hard because you're standing on one foot so all the pressure is going to that foot so she's damaging that foot yeah yeah, exactly so i've I've literally no skin on my toes or my heel at the moment um so it's it's and i have to i still have to stand on that um so it's it's yeah it's rough it's hard so well look delighted and thrilled that you would speak so openly to us this morning well, about thank this. thank you for having us. Delighted. And Tricia, uh, you're a great bit of stuff and I know you'll do it I know you'll do it for her. I know you'll do it she for will. her. Sometimes I give out about weight loss. Like in fairness, I have no issues. 
you know, and I think that's what Emma really does. She puts it into perspective and she is a trooper. And we're going to, we're going to smash September and I know that everyone in Cork, Limerick, everywhere will support. Yes. Yes, all the counties. <laughs> well, remind us again, Tricia, you just, do you Google September or what do yeah. you do? If you just go onto the Deborah Ireland website, it's 20 or sign up, you'll get a t-shirt, you can do teams up to two people to a hundred. So if there's any companies listening that want to kind of do something with their staff, then get people moving for September and I'll also share the link on my Instagram page in a little bit and it'll just be everywhere. Just Google it. It'll, we'll make sure that everybody mm. knows about it. And, yeah. and let's right. do it for Deborah Ireland and Absolutely. Emma and all the other families. Catch up with yeah. us again at some stage during it, Tricia. Tricia Lewis from Tricia's Transformation and Emma Fogarty, who is living with the awful condition known as EB. And some people just inspire you when you hear them speak, you know. She lives, think about this, she lives her life in constant, permanent, never-ending pain. I can't even think about what that must be like. Just talking about the the live music and all of that, and we want to hear the Cork versus COVID as well before we go very quickly. But live music is allowed from today in outdoor venues. Multiple tables can also be booked, but the pubs and restaurants must put in what they call robust protective measures. Uh, the size will be determined by the size of the uh, event. You'll have to wear face coverings and masks when moving around the outdoor dining area, the serving area. Uh, not No more than 50% of the outdoor space can be covered by a roof. There must be a gazebo. Uh, it's, it, there's a long list of, of new guidelines being published today, but the, the, the story that broke here during the morning on the opinion line uh, from the Music and Entertainment Association of Ireland is that from today... Uh, when you go to your beer garden this evening, they are allowed to have a guy in the corner with a guitar. And I know that is being very, very widely welcomed and rightly so. Speaking of music, speaking of events, weddings this week for Cork versus COVID. Uh, Moraid has been catching up again at the wedding with the wedding industry. Couples have been saying I do in front of 100 guests since the numbers allowed at weddings increased yesterday. Ian Murphy and Alison Barry are due to get married later this month. This is their third date after first planning for last October. It was the strangest thing because we'd said, like, you know, we get married in the year. Within three weeks of getting engaged, we had the church, the hotel, everything booked. Um, so we were like, We'll just have this so stress-free. We'll have everything done. And here we are three <laughs> times later trying to organise this. That's the annoying thing about it. So it yeah. didn't really go to plan. But. The hotel and venue is the same. Um, we have, I'd say, about 80% of our suppliers have changed. So we had to change the majority of those from the first time around. Um, but other than that, it's kind of the the exact same. Hotels have been doing all they can to ensure couples have a memorable celebration. Alison Walsh, wedding coordinator at Kinsale Hotel and Spa, says their experience from the last few months will help them to ensure couples get the most out of their big day. I think last year was more stressful because again, as I said, we hadn't done it before so, you know, everybody was nervous of this virus as well, uh, you know, apart from weddings and work and everything else that goes on, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty. This year we're taking it in our stride. We're like, we've done this. Emma Moriarty is wedding and event sales manager at Cork International Hotel. She says it has been hard on spouses to be. It's been a bit stressful for them, obviously, 
with kind of living from announcement to announcement. Emma says smaller weddings are here to stay. For a while, even before COVID hit, there was smaller weddings, more intimate weddings, absolutely. Sandra Looney of To Have and To Hold on McCurtain Street says it has been a tough time for everyone in the wedding industry. It's been exceptionally difficult, not just for us, but everybody in the wedding industry. All of our colleagues, photographers, the bands, the videographers, the florists. Sandra says one of the reasons why couples choose to wait is so they can have a live band at their wedding. Everybody loves the sing-song, everybody loves the dancing. I think that is the biggest thing holding some couples back. So when we meet with couples, uh, the one thing that is restricting them from going ahead is the fact they can't have a band. Hold up, what was that? Boring, no flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.